0: Hello, my name's Shireen Jordan and welcome to Tea and Tonic. This podcast is about giving my guests from all different creative industries the chance to tell us about how they got to where they are today while we both sip a tea or perhaps something a bit stronger with a tonic. It's a chance for those affected by the impact of lockdown the opportunity to chat because talking is, as the saying goes... Just the tonic. I hope you enjoy it with a beverage in hand. It's Saturday, December the twelfth, twenty twenty, and my guest today is theatre director and choreographer Raki Pluz. Raki grew up in a household where music and dance were encouraged by her producer and director parents. So, started ballet classes when she was little, and learnt to play the piano and bass guitar so she could be in a rock band at school. Aged 11, Raki got a place at Sylvia Young Theatre School, and then went to ArtsEd, where she did her GCSEs and trained for three years in musical theatre. When she left, Raki learnt her trade, working at Off West End Fringe Theatre upstairs at the Gatehouse, designing lighting, directing, casting, and choreographing dozens of shows. Since then, Rakhi has directed and choreographed the Green Day musical American Idiot, which opened in London, and has toured the UK and the world right up until this year. She's working with US company Royal Caribbean on their huge budget shows at sea. She's working on the rescheduled opening of an actor-muso production of Footloose for 2021 and in September directed the web series of a sitcom in lockdown with all profits going to the Theatres Trust and acting for others. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Raki Plews. Hello. Hello.
1: Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining me after what has been a very busy day for you. It has been a busy day, yeah. It's been, um, it's crazy. It feels like it's been a quite a busy year but then I look back and think uh what what has actually happened well certainly work-wise lot's going on in personal life yeah uh, well
0: Raki before we get stuck in um what beverage do you have this evening
1: oh tonight I have my builder's tea very
0: nice um so I have got a cranberry juice and tonic
1: Oh nice I, I couldn't I thought should I add some tonic to my tea I wasn't quite sure but I added oat milk instead so. Very nice well, well cheers. Nice. And it's, cheers and is that a regular drink of yours?
0: Do you know it's not actually um mm. but I thought I'd try and be a bit festive because it's red right, and you know nice. it's Christmas um yeah. and it's non-alcoholic so I thought you okay. know go easy early December Mm -hmm. well actually this podcast is going out just before Christmas Day so Mm -hmm. um, technically I should really be on the um, alcohol but (laughs) (laughs) but cheers anyway.
1: Cheers, cheers.
0: Raki before we chat about goodness me all the shows that you have choreographed and directed Mm -hmm. and got awards for and award nominations for your love of dance and the arts and music, because I know you're very musical and all the instruments that you play, was that something that you were always doing as a child? Did, did that begin mm. early for you?
1: yeah, it did um, that's my mother's fault that I play all those instruments <laughs> when she was growing up, she felt um, not not deprived, but she always she always said if she had kids she'd want to give them things that she didn't have the opportunity to have and uh, one of them was uh, learning instruments and so yeah I started on the piano that was the first instrument mm. and then as I progressed yeah I think my parents could see that I had a love for music and they just opened up the house to uh, lots of instruments and my dad played the drums oh wow C- occasionally uh, in uh, in the festive holidays he might uh have a little a drum around, <laughs> um, and my sister learnt quite a few instruments as well. So yeah, it was quite a musical, um, a musical household growing up. Well, certainly music, and my dad used to be a DJ, so he'd always have the decks out. <laughs> so yeah, music music was a big part of growing up. And
0: so, did the music come first for you before the mm. da- dancing?
1: Oh, interesting. Well. I remember my mama sending us to ballet school or to ballet lessons. We, we must have been quite young; must have been three or four, because um, we've got some me and my sister great photos of us on there in our little ballet tutu outfits. <laughs> so yeah, it did it. I think I think she just kind of just filled our days with as much as possible, and it was music and dance. Um, and my mum's mum was a tiller girl you know what that is I yeah it's what... k- kind of a little bit um if, if the uh, if they'd have continued it might have been like the raquettes, but here in the uk oh, wow. yeah that yeah, sounds
0: so. very glamorous
1: yeah check out look you'll have to look them up Tell them. Yeah. So, so
0: it's in the that movement is in your
1: blood and that musicality yeah, I think so. Yeah, it has to be, right? Right.
0: And <laughs> yeah. did you just, did you love it then as a child? You know, the, the ballet classes and, and playing yes. the piano. Was it something that you just always wanted to be doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. If Yeah, definitely. I remember getting home from school and wanting to go to the piano. And then as you get older, you you form bands with people. And I remember forming a band at school, in secondary school. And we didn't have a bass player no one wanted to play the bass you kind of yeah you kind of end up playing the bass uh, and that, that's how I learned another instrument okay <laughs> yeah and, so it was this bass player this <laughs> rock rock band it was great
0: <laughs> so this this I'm already painting then a picture of you you know young this is kind of telling me a lot about now but the work that you've gone on to do with mm. your love of rock music um uh-huh. going back to the the dance for a moment because yeah. you you do everything don't you I mean from hip-hop to ballet to tap to jazz to flamenco I mean it's all it's all there that's quite a, a, a repertoire to have
1: yeah I think um so when when I was at um I, I got sent to a stage school when I was 11 uh so I get to uh I suppose you as soon as all of those forms are in front of you um, and you have so many different visiting teachers that come into these kind of schools that um, yeah it's I was just like a sponge I just wanted to know it all and um, yeah learn a bit about everything and yeah yeah that's kind of why I I love doing everything I suppose again it was just being uh, given the opportunities to um, to have it all in of me, wow. I, I don't want to sound like I had it all. because <laughs> I definitely didn't, and um, uh, but but I definitely had a lot of opportunities to learn from people, and mm-hmm. and I I took those moments.
0: Wow. And that was Sylvia Young you went to,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I went to Sylvia Young theatre School when I was eleven. Um, I didn't get into any of the local grammar schools, okay. and uh, I think um, yeah, I don't. I, I was I'm a I'm a really I'm a young. Uh, young for my school year, I was in August. August the thirtieth. Yes. Snapchat. yes Oh, what? You're August the thirtieth. August the twenty third. August. Ah. You know, August right. baby. Yeah. So you are Virgo.
0: Yeah, Leo, Virgo cusp on the cusp, depending nice. on who you read. Oh. <laughs> I think depending
1: I, on how you feel.
0: <laughs> it really is because I definitely am the conscientious Virgo, but sometimes the you know scary lion. <laughs>
1: yeah I think I should be on the cusp as well <laughs> look, look, I've got my lioness hair oh <laughs> but yeah like to be organized as well I love a color coordinated excel spreadsheet not gonna lie <laughs> um so, so yeah August 30th and my mum always said she'd have held on two more days had she known that the school year started in September on September the 1st <laughs> well good luck there but um <laughs>
0: had you been Mm -hmm. born now your mum could have
1: decided she could have decided yeah yeah I heard that um so yeah I think so I I felt like you know I I was in school with people who were a whole year older than me yeah um so um well that's what I blame blame my intelligence or lack of on (laughs) but yeah so I was you know when you sit your 11 exams to try and get into a, a school I was well I think I must have been 10 right not mm-hmm. even turned 11 yet so so that didn't happen and my I remember my dad looking around at different schools and my dad's always been uh in the entertainment industry as well so my mum's a producer my dad's a director wow. yeah and my sister is currently is in the business as well so uh they found yeah uh Sylvia Young Theatre School and I went and auditioned and I got in Yeah, so it was incredible. And, you know, you're 11 years old and you're going to school in a tracksuit because you've got ballet and tap that day. And it's, uh, yeah, all all your, what I call my earth friends, the people that bring me back down to earth, who I think Harry Potter have now uh, named muggles. But, um, yeah, they were my earth friends. They just couldn't believe a school like that existed and that I went. So, yeah, it it was incredible. Yeah. And then I went to arts educational. Yes. Yeah, I I joined the pupils there, so I left halfway through Sylvia Young. I didn't um, take GCSEs there, yeah. I went to Arts Educational and I did my GCSEs there and then I stayed on it as a student at the musical theatre course. Wow. Yeah. And you still have to audition for that course. Because I remember I did audition for some other courses. Um, but yeah, it I knew I wanted to stay at Arts Ed. So I spent eight years of my life there.
0: Blimey. <laughs> yeah wow. and did you do it was it a three-year musical theatre course you did? yeah
1: yeah yeah it was yeah the pupils and then the the um yeah the the musical theatre course that they that they offer
0: wow and you know yeah. said turns out some amazing talent you know a real mm-hmm. high caliber did you love your three years there did you feel that going from Sylvia's to said was the natural progression for you
1: yeah I I definitely think so. I, I absolutely loved my time at said. Um yeah again like I was saying to you the the people um that we got visiting and um, and and teaching us and the people that we could learn from and there's yeah it is it is um a, a, it has got a great reputation mm-hmm. of of turning out some wonderful talent so I feel very lucky that that I went there and I think there are, there are different colleges that, and I think it's, they go through stages. I think it depends who is teaching at these colleges. Mm. Um, but you know, I said, it feels like it's always, um, very good, like all round. It feels like the dance is strong, the acting is strong and the singing is strong. Um, and then, so, but after I left, after I left there, I went into performing. Mm. Um, but I think it was, it was quite soon into performing that I realized, um, But I was getting a taste for what the what the people like how the people were telling us what to do and the Mm -hmm. creatives and and yeah I was just kind of always thinking oh if I was choreographing this show that I was in would I be doing that Mm -hmm. no I might be doing this and it was my friend that challenged me in a show that I was in and said well if you think you're so good and you do it better you should do it and I went fine I will. Oh, wow. And that's it. And I sought out to get a choreography job, yeah.
0: God, so you you came out of Arts Ed still Mm. very young, you know. Yeah, yeah. Trained Mm. and ready for for the first professional job. But, you know, still a super, super babe.
1: Yeah, yeah, super babe. I like that, so. Yeah, well, again, um, yeah, I feel very fortunate. Um, But my parents bought a (laughs) theatre, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they bought a theatre in London it's um it's officially London's top theatre because it's 446 feet above sea level <laughs> and it yeah. resides in the Highgate, and it's upstairs at the gatehouse yeah it's an off-west end theatre um, yeah it I mean at the time it was one of the biggest it had 142 seats I think um there's some other theatres that have opened now with similar sizes or maybe even bigger, but um, yes. Yeah, so I learned my trade there and um, my parents, yeah, they, so that's what I was saying. My, my dad directed, and he's a director, so he directed a lot of the shows there and my mum produced them. I actually even was in some of them. And uh, after my friend challenged me to choreograph, I spoke to my parents because nepotism is a fine thing. And said, "I want to, want to choreograph a show. Let me." And so, yeah, they let me, and it, it, it was wonderful. I, I just didn't look back from that from that day.
0: Um, and what was that first? Do you remember the first show that you you could go
1: free on? Yeah. So it was a show called Cole. Okay. Right? Yeah, and it was all Cole's songs in a kind of review type yeah. show, and. Uh, yeah, so I I got to um, interpret these songs in different ways that maybe they had been um, written for for our previous shows, and uh, worked with a great a great cast. And for for some of them, it was their first show, and for me, it was uh, my first show directing and choreographing. Wow. Um, and yeah, we uh, in fact, sorry, that was the first show I directed. Sorry. Wow. Um, but the first show I choreographed. Hot Mikado. Okay. Hey. And what a great show! Do you know that show? I, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's a great show. Really energetic, and uh, yeah.
0: Did you <gasps> find that it was great to have your parents who you could learn from? You know, could you ask Absolutely. them anything? Did you look up to them? Was it a good working relationship? Because sometimes working with your parents, there can be a love-hate thing. It can mm. great, it can be difficult or it can be just w-
1: wonderful. Yeah, I I mean they've been the best teachers I could have asked for. Yeah. I've learned everything from my dad s- sitting there and watching him in the rehearsal room and he's quite technical as well. So uh yeah, he he taught me all the technical side of to theater as well. Um yeah, I mean I <laughs> yeah, it it seems a little bit surreal looking back on it but um you know it, it was just the perfect opportunity and there were times when I didn't want to do theatre I wasn't sure and I thought oh I want to be a criminal lawyer um but yeah it was um my parents said absolutely not you are going into theatre <laughs> I think it's usually the other way around <laughs> yeah. I, love that. I
0: love that they were so no <laughs> there's the no. door and it's theatre
1: Abso- absolutely they bought this theatre and you know their daughters had to come and play so yeah me and my sister when when they first bought the theater because they had no staff obviously me and my sister slave labor Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we learned we learned everything so I remember I I must have you know designed the lighting for over 40 shows there and my sister started on sound so she was a sound designer and it was all analog back then um you know because we are talking about, this is like 1927. No. (laughs) So I, you know, the, the way that you, um, so analog for anyone that doesn't understand, or actually, oh no, now that I've said that, how do I explain that? It's, uh, well, um, yeah it's just not digital so imagine you've got four microphones you're you've actually got to operate with your fingers those four microphones whereas a lot of the time now you can program those four microphones into a digital desk and press the button on the on the key where you want them the levels to shift or you know whoever's using the mic so yeah your fingers you, (laughs) you like choreograph your fingers um to certainly on on the lighting desk you know if you've got 40 lights and you've got just two channels one above the other so you've got an A line and a B line well you you set your 40 lights on on the A grid and then you, you you're you're presetting the B grid while the A is up and then the master fader you like you swap them I mean I don't know I don't know if I'm explaining that very good for a podcast but, <laughs> no, that that visual, brilliant. but honestly I mean talk about anxiety but but <laughs> thank goodness for digital that's what I say
0: well it, it must make life a lot easier now because you you know you live through that and you learn that way and so now yeah. you must think oh you know it's so much
1: easier well, I know now yeah, I have just worked on the most technical show I've ever done in my entire life and I think um, yeah all of the all of those uh, learnings at, at the gatehouse has um, yeah taught me to, with my knowledge has has really really helped yeah absolutely
0: and do your parents still have that theater Racky? is that?
1: yeah yeah they do they were obviously with covid happening you know upon us this year That were there were scary times mm-hmm. um we definitely all had a bit of a cry at one point thinking um that um, that might not be there anymore mm-hmm. but oh, um yeah with the they got a government grant okay so uh but the most technical show I've ever done um yeah it was last year for Royal Caribbean yeah on the cruise ship so oh wow they gave me like the biggest budget I've ever had to play with and we've got 48 drones flying around the audience at one point <gasps> yeah We've got a a massive um, illusion trick where we had to go to Las Vegas and R&D. Yeah, I know. So that was a a a lovely four days. I know, I know. Um, And we've got um, LED dance suits. We've got holograms. Um, There were 29 people in the cast, which is the biggest cast they've ever had at sea for Royal. Um, So yeah, it's been absolutely incredible and the people on it are are just out of this world they're at the top of their game and it's just been uh we've got it's um a system called black tracks and black tracks is um well you you put beacons on you they're kind of imagine table tennis balls but a lot smaller and they um they sit in the costume and there are loads of cameras around the theater Mm -hmm. so at all times the camera knows where these beacons are and then you can program anything you want it so lighting for example the lights can actually follow you around with the system on and we had lasers on the ship Uh, so I wanted one of the girls to look like she was hitting lasers with her hands so we had these beacons on her hands she'd put her hands out and the lasers would shoot at her hands and so she could put them anywhere all over the stage and it was the first time black tracks and lasers had ever worked together before so that you know they've got these two young 20 year old somethings writing the code on the ship so that they can talk for the first time ever and it's just such a wonderful feeling and it's such a great experience to be able to see this actually happen and be created yeah it's incredible
0: that's massive isn't it because the the money nowadays that the cruise companies are plowing Mm. into their entertainment budgets Bast. I mean, it's mm. some of it is is really battling, if you like, you know, with the West End and big touring productions. It's up there.
1: No, absolutely. Honestly, it's the biggest budget I've ever had.
0: <laughs> Was that just yeah. wonderful to be so creative with that project?
1: Mm. Yeah, but it's interesting how quickly that money does actually disappear. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh, it yeah it is wonderful and the producers are fantastic um yeah it's a, such a great environment to to work in so and it's weir- it's weird being at sea obviously you know you can't just pop off uh, if you've forgotten something or you want to add something into the show you can't just pop off yeah. because you're at sea and <laughs> so you've got to be really prepared yeah, yeah. you've got to and yeah. i suppose as well that the
0: audience on a cruise ship I bet they're not very forgiving because you know they've paid their money they want the best of everything for the duration Mm. of their holiday and it's not like when they leave the show they're going home they're still on the ship they're just going back to their
1: room so everyone is still there in that big bubble if you like. Mm. Yeah that's so true but just seeing those audience just seeing the the reaction because these theatres are huge as well I think I think they that theatre seats fourteen hundred people. Wow. Yeah. It's it's an incre it's an incredible feeling. And seeing fourteen hundred people see forty eight drones flying around the audience above their heads. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's got to be worth it got to be worth the ticket for the cruise alone, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And am I right in
0: saying you've got more of that coming up, hopefully next year?
1: Yeah, hopefully next year. Yeah. We're actually prepping for um there's a new ship coming out um so we are prepping uh yeah for that Uh, it's just all again just we're just all eagerly awaiting the go word and uh we will be there yeah and yeah and going back to footloose so yeah we had to put those rehearsals on hold but hopefully you know the producers haven't canceled the show they just postponed it um so we're just really hoping that we can get back into that rehearsal room and uh and show the uk our footloose
0: because Recky, footloose it was meant to open in april wasn't it so yeah literally a month after we went into lockdown
1: that's it the day i think it was the day that boris said that we had to stay inside and have a lockdown was our first day of rehearsals oh gosh yeah so we'd done all this pre-prep and you know we'd all we'd all chatted we'd Um, you know yeah just done all the pre-prep and then uh, we're all ready to meet on that Monday we did we'd done the EPK as well which shot that yeah and what's the EPK it stands for electronic press kit okay so it's like a little trailer yeah do you like how I slow down just to make sure I got that right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um yeah it's the fancy way of saying
0: trailer okay and so will, when you open next year, will it be the same cast again? You know, Is everyone still gonna be available? Or will you have to rejig things?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, yeah, it, that's, a, that's a tricky one because um, you don't know of people's personal situations. Mm. Um, have, have people had to go out and get um, full-time jobs? Mm. Uh, yeah, you just don't know, you know, I, I hope. That everyone can come back and uh, and do it. Um, Yeah, it's tricky, and also obviously all the creatives as well. um, You know, we usually have quite a full on schedule, and um, if you can, you, you try and you know you finish one show and then you go on to another show. So we've all you know I I had contracts for a couple of things this year, so now where does that leave us because I'm supposedly signed up for a few things and of course as soon as everything is allowed to open again are we all going to try and rush t- to to rehearse and then where does that leave the creators if they have got a few different jobs um, but then also are the theatres available for for the shows yeah um, there's so, there are so there are so many things to think about
0: uh, a logistical nightmare for for everyone yeah. involved yeah so Raki you've done the gatehouse you've done your first direction done your first choreography mm. did that feel good did you think yeah this is all slotting into place my creative juices are flowing in the right direction and I, and I want to do more of this
1: yeah definitely yeah and then it became a bit of a competition with me and my dad. <laughs> so at uh, what we call Christmas, so Christmas and Hanukkah, we would always do an in-house production. And one year my dad would direct it. And the next year I would, and we would see who got, you know, the most audience members coming or what took the most money. Uh, Cause they do profit share, genuine profit share where they, they, they split the money between the cast um, and it's such that that oh, just that on the last show when the cast see if they've actually made anything. It's just it's just such a wonderful feeling. And it, it just makes it all that little bit more worthwhile. Mm. Because uh on the off West End theatres, you know, it's not it's not it's low pay. Mm. Um so we're all there for the love of it and to um yeah, to progress our experience. Um so I think I the last show that I directed there was probably about seven or eight years ago now Mm -hmm. and it was Guys and Dolls. One of my faves. Yeah. Love, 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 love that show and had Lee Proud, he was our choreographer. Okay, He was, um, he he started out in Billy Elliot years ago and then um, was the resident and set it up in America as well and he's doing wonderful things and Howard Hudson was our lighting designer mm-hmm. um, he's just the, uh he's just designed and Juliet in town
0: oh wow yeah
1: um so we had a really really good team um and a fantastic cast and what a brilliant show to go out on I I feel like you know when when you know a space so well and you probably pulled in as many all your favors that you can you could probably feel um that you can um because does it, it, you do reach an end to pulling in favours, don't you? And at that level, you do. So I felt like I was the most creative I could be in that space. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, maybe it's uh, time to fly the nest. Wow. Yeah.
0: And so what happened after that? Because the the list of shows you've done, really in quite a small space of time, it's endless. Mm. The list is exhaustive. It's quite incredible. And... Some of the reviews that have been written about you, the word energy Mm. is repeated a lot.
1: All right. That's good. Can can you be my PR person?
0: (laughs) Happy to, Recky. Always available. All right. That's good.
1: We'll chat after
0: this. (laughs) Before we go on to the big, big show, which won you lots of awards and I saw when it came down south. As a creative, as a choreographer, as a director, how do you get the next job? That's what I'm yeah. so interested in because when you're a dancer you go to auditions, but when you are yeah. a creative, how does yeah, that that's work? It.
1: It's so it is so tricky because yeah, like you said, with with auditioning for a performer, it's usually a breakdown that goes out in spotlight and so you know about the job that's coming up. So yeah, as a creative it is, it's hard. You've got to know producers. Uh, certainly, because I started as a choreographer when I left the Gatehouse. Um, it was meeting directors, um, going and seeing direct uh, well shows. And if you know there was something that I absolutely loved, I'd make sure I got in touch with that director. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tricky because once you you know n- now being a little bit further in my career you start to have a team that you like working with and that you become comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's not until when people write to me and say, can they come and work with me? I'm like, Oh yeah, like I really like your stuff, but Oh no, but I I already kind of work with this person and we've got a team. So you're waiting, you're almost waiting until that person can't do it Mm -hmm. and then you jump in. And that's probably how I got most of my jobs, to be honest, just making, you know, just being there and available when somebody else couldn't do it
0: and in terms of your style mm. because you had a very musical background the yeah. the music and the dance and the rock elements yeah so would you say that that has dictated some of the shows that you have done mm. and 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 had mm. a big influence on the, the way you have directed and choreographed and put your stamp yeah
1: on yeah definitely and also being um it's really tricky because when you're starting out, as well, if you get offered a show that you're not sure if you're right for, it's, do you take it because you want to have that practice, you want to get that credit, you want to get the money, mm-hmm. um, or are you going to be, you know, to like have a chat with yourself and say, I don't know if I'm the best person for this job? Um, so that that does come into play with it, and I think I I started getting. Um, yeah, I started getting like tap, for some reason tap as well. I just -hmm. absolutely loved tap at college. So tap was a huge thing. And I definitely gravitated to anything that was modern and rocky. um, Because again, that was my upbringing. And my dad likes to think he's a bit of a comic. So (laughs) comedy, I just love comedy. Um, So it, it seemed to be, yeah comedy tap or rock <laughs> that really pulled my interest and luck and, and I think I I went out to st- and and you know I saw that mm-hmm. um there are there have been a couple of jobs along the way I remember um years ago someone asked me if I wanted to do something about u- a university halls and I like I'd, I'd really wanted to do it but um, there was it was quite dialogue It was more of um, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily one of these pop, um, pop and energetic shows. It was quite um, like it had serious matters in it. But because I felt like the setting was so important, and I hadn't done that university, you know, I'd gone on to arts ed and the musical theatre course. Um, yeah, I I felt that I probably wouldn't be the right the best person for it. So you say no. Mm. Um, but yeah that is that is tricky but yeah I think just once you now that I'm working a little bit more I'm hoping that people um, and producers know that I like comedy and rocky stuff you don't want to box yourself that's the hard thing because I do love everything Mm -hmm. I absolutely love everything but um yeah the the modern modern things and yeah
0: you say modern because you choreographed thoroughly modern millie didn't you
1: (laughs) that was a nice segue (laughs) which has a lot of tap in it so it does yeah right up your street and comedy it was the comedy that drew me to that show as well and i've got a fabulous friend lucas rush who i asked if he would uh yeah would consider coming in for to play um mrs mears a character, which I'd never seen played by a man before, it'd always been played by a woman. But I think some of the top, it is a bit dated, that show. And um, I think I just, uh, yeah, I just thought it would add, it it would help us come a little bit more into this century and realise like just how silly that script kind of is. Uh, and he, he was just, he was just fabulous. It just, yeah, again, it, it was the, com. oh, I had so many good people in that show, and we had two casts, mm-hmm. and yeah, just, um, I, I love going and seeing the shows and supporting the cast as much as possible, because as the director, I am the head of their department, mm-hmm. so I want to make sure that everyone is, is uh, okay, Um and, yeah, so I will try and see the show as, as much as possible, to the point where I think some people think, "Wow, the director's here again." <laughs> I think that's um, lovely because it shows yeah. how much you care as well. Maybe. Yeah. I just, and and again, the thing with comedy is because it's live, you can interpret the the people can play. You know, the actors and performers can play a little bit differently every night. Mm-hmm. If uh, if we've talked about a moment where they can, theatre is so technical, so you do have to stand in certain places at some points. Yeah. Um, I like to call them anchor points. Mm-hmm. So um, we might say, you know, in thoroughly modern Millie, um, there was a there was a moment where it w- it could be a little bit free, but on this word, the anchor point, you have to be over here because this is where the light is, and on the word at the end, this is where you have to be because this is the technical theatre but how you get there um we can uh, we can have it a little bit different every night <laughs> amazing well yeah. I mean
0: such a high energy show and um wasn't Amanda, Amanda Holden many moons ago
1: was, yeah, it? Sure was it
0: thoroughly modern Millie um yeah and I know that your production had Joanne Clifton in yes um, yeah.
1: soon to be a guest on this podcast oh her? great oh she was fantastic she really helped with the tango section in that show <laughs> oh, because as much as I know that you're saying that I have lots of different styles I'd like to say that it was it's kind of the musical theater version or the take on that style mm-hmm. um, but as soon as you've got someone especially now with Strictly so in the public eye you know uh, like you want it, you want to get that right yeah. So um, we, really, we really worked on that together and she, um, she, was, she was absolutely fantastic. What, what a beautiful girl.
0: So Becky, in terms of putting together a show like Footloose, like Thoroughly Modern Millie, like Summer Holiday, like Guys and Dolls, Me and My Girl, Crazy for <laughs> You, how long does that process
1: take? Oh. It must be stressful yeah it depends how much money the producers got
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant You know, I, when I go and see these massive shows and I think yeah oh my lord how did they get to this point how long did that take yeah. and mm. that's not even just looking at the rehearsal period all the stuff that has to go on before day one of rehearsals there must yeah. be a lot of your time
1: Yeah, it is. Especially, I was just having this conversation with someone else the other day, especially being the director. I do feel like I'm on call Mm 24-7 and every single department needs to speak to you. So, yeah, sometimes we have production meetings, which includes the entire team and we'll sit around the table or lately on Zoom. And I know it can be frustrating for me, you know, people that aren't necessarily in that moment of that conversation or that topic. But for me, it makes this life so much easier. I can have an hour with everyone yeah. and uh, we can try and get all the questions out. And also sometimes, you know, what sound says it might affect lighting. You never, you never know. But on the whole, the creative process is talking to each individual department and yeah that is t- that is time consuming and especially working um, with Royal Caribbean because they're based in the States mm-hmm. um, and then the set designers who we work with um, so, so Royal Caribbean are based in Florida but then the set designers are in LA so you've got five hours behind and ten hours behind and when the show opened we were out in China so, so I, was, I was just up constantly. Um, but apparently I've, I've got a bit of a reputation anyway that I don't sleep
0: <laughs> so you know ca- caffeine and Red Bull for you
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I need I need to, I need to uh, be careful on the Red Bull <laughs> I remember living on that stuff at university
0: I just I can't believe I did uh, Oh I, know. <laughs> I just didn't
1: have a back then what so- were we thinking
0: we must must get on to American Idiot, which you put a fresh new take on it, didn't you? You you kind of oh, thank took you. it, flipped it, made it a hugely energetic, upbeat up tempo, um rocky, mm-hmm. and a very different style of musical theatre. Would that would that be fair to say?
1: Well, well, yeah, I'm. I'll take it. Yeah, very honoured. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love that. Uh, I loved working on that show um, and that production. And we've only the, the last uh, the last show was just before COVID happened. Actually, it's been going on for about five years. Yeah, it was in New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been with me for a while now.
0: It was, so I remember, we know, we have a mutual friend and mm-hmm. back in, it was must have been 2015, she said to me, oh, yeah. I've been made dance captain <laughs> on American <laughs> Idiot. And I said, oh, who's the choreographer? And she said, oh, Racky Blues, And I just went, oh, okay. And then mm. literally, bizarrely, in the last few weeks when I was, you know, doing some sleuthing and research and then your name cropped up and I went, I know that name. <laughs> and... Of course, you type in your name, and American Idiot crops up. Mm. Was that a dream job for you, Rocky?
1: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah, because Green Day has always been a, a big part of my life, anyway. Um, so having the opportunity, yeah, to interpret that album, and also, you know that al- that album is uh, was written in response to nine eleven, mm-hmm. and nine eleven. I well, I think certainly kind of I don't know how old you are but our age my age well any, any anyone who yeah. uh who was a you know people know where they were when nine eleven happened um I remember exactly where it was I thought I thought it was a movie playing on the tv screen so it was a huge worldwide piece of news um that that we lived through and I think when American the Idiot came out and it was Green Day that had written it, which is even more of an interest to me with their political stance on things. It was yeah, it 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 was um it was a it was a part of my growing up, um that album and, and their early stuff. Mm. I am giving away my age, but yeah, their early oh, stuff. <laughs>
0: sure. Did you feel with that interpretation then of, of their new album a sense of responsibility
1: to get it right? Yeah, absolutely. And I really wanted someone um american on the team as well i wanted to hear their side of it and it just so happened um that the lighting designer tim dialing he uh he was american and it was it it was he was the perfect man for the gig anyway and the fact that he was now american just just added to that and i just remember speaking to him about it and wanting um, wanting to hear his view and his opinion of how it affected him um, so yeah it it was a that was a good insight as well um, but it, yeah of course a huge huge responsibility um, but also telling wanting to get across this story of these well the main the main three characters these three best friends these lads who go on their separate paths because of something that has happened and i think we can all relate to that whether it be a a worldwide event or whether it's something that's happened personally um that can trigger different reactions Mm. and and sometimes that does make friendships um go in different directions and these three get back together which is um which is fantastic you know that that end moment uh where they meet again at the end is uh and they and they hug I just I, I'm an audience watcher and I just watch the audience and you just see this kind of yeah just sense of relief that they're friends and this love for these characters that you followed uh, yeah um it, it was all it was all about the friendship and the love and the rage um and the sexiness. <laughs> I
0: mean, that show, you mentioned it had been in New Zealand. It's travelled the world, hasn't it? You know, yeah. West End, off West End, UK tour, mm. around the world. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do, has, yeah.
0: Do, do you take a moment and think, a lot of people have seen that show. That must feel good.
1: Yeah, um, I think I, I just, yeah, it's funny because I, I, I'm such a collaborator that. I, and and I'm so proud of that show. and I'm so proud of what everyone brought to that show. Um, yeah, it's it's a great feeling to know that people's work is is get is getting out there and and, and getting seen. That um, from from Green Day, um, you know, to I don't know, um, you know, uh, a, a stage crew backstage. Um, uh, it's uh, it is it is a wonderful feeling. And sit, yes, yeah, sitting in that audience. And seeing people just rise to their feet at the end, it it is a it is a wonderful feeling. And yeah, um, I just can't I just can't stop smiling. I suppose at those moments, and you're just so happy for the cast that they're getting the accolade that they deserve because oh. it's um it is a tough and like you said energetic show. So they deserve that. They deserve yeah. that applause at the end.
0: Absolutely, I always get when I give a standing ovation I always get really teary as well <laughs> you know just the, overcome with emotion of were so good
1: yeah um, and to and to me that that emotion goes back like you were saying to the pre-productions to everything just just all of that work and that effort that everyone's put in not just on that night yeah. and and you think yeah go team
0: <laughs> absolutely and I think now more than ever maybe audience members like me we're all realizing just what is involved in getting a show up and running on the stage Mm -hmm. as we walk past theaters and they've been closed
1: yeah I I do hope there'll be more shows like this I mean um you know I've got so many ideas um yeah on on similar kind of concepts and I think I always think. It, obviously, it's the audience that buy the tickets, which will make the show sell and run longer. So, what what do the audience want? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my age um, and older are affording are able to afford theatre tickets a lot of the time, um, which is why I think something like Book of Mormon did so well because the people who um, can afford the tickets will buy buy those tickets and keep the show running so yeah American Idiot like with Green Day they were a a band that you know me and my friends grew up with Mm. and there's clearly enough people who can afford to buy those tickets and want to go and see something like that Mm. Um, so yeah what what is the next what is the next uh, album to be on the stage hey? Mm.
0: who knows? We'll, we'll look back on this conversation a couple of years time. and We'll go, Oh, yeah. oh wish I'd thought of that. Or, you know, maybe yeah. you, you will. All,
1: all the time. Or or oh, I've thought of an idea and then, and then it gets out there and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I said it too loud. Was, Alec- yeah. was Alexia listening? Is it Alexia? No, Alexa. Alexa. I couldn't even think of her name. She's going to be <laughs> offended. <laughs> She's never going to listen to me again.
0: <laughs> the lovely thing about American Idiot was, I think it also drew in younger audiences. So, mm-hmm younger people who had never heard of Green Day either didn't know their music but didn't need to it didn't mm-hmm. didn't matter because it's the story that stands and it's yeah, the narrative
1: yeah. what I loved actually is sometimes seeing three generations at the theater which was great because you know my parents remember Green Day listening to Green Day because I was at home listening to Green Day so mm-hmm. they knew yeah. they knew the album uh, and then yeah anyone have, have the children then uh, they're going to be taking them along although I think I think we said it was 14 plus
0: okay yeah
1: yeah because there were some uh, explicit scenes I think well explicit you know to be to be 14 mm-hmm. yeah
0: memories are set in the theatre aren't they and mm. that is a, a priceless experience
1: yeah it's where we go to disappear and forget about our lives and get lost in another world That's why I love going to the cinema as well Um, I'm the same as you I spent I have spent so many
0: afternoons either in the theatre or in the cinema alone yeah and I used to love it because it was my just time alone I could unwind I could just cry if something was really sad I could laugh with my witch's cackle if if I wanted to (laughs) I could eat a bag of popcorn and a bag of sweets, and it didn't matter. You know all these.
1: Yeah. Um, Did you tip I... the sweets into the popcorn as well? Oh no. <laughs> no. Oh, 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 I'm just by myself there then. Maltesers in the popcorn. That oh yeah, oh, I love really? that. That was good. No, I'd often go to the theatre by myself as well.
0: Yeah. We've spoken briefly about Footloose. Mm. That's another very different show, and very up tempo. Lots of us have grown up with the film and Kevin yeah. Bacon. Yeah. Again, is that difficult to give it a refresh, put a yeah. new spin on it? Is that hard? I
1: think I think it's interesting you're talking about that with Footloose because, um, yeah. So uh, I had the idea um, with the producer David Hutchinson to mm-hmm. make it actamuso again because of my upbringing, and that's mm-hmm. when I was performing. I I performed in actamuso shows, um, and I thought wouldn't Footloose be a great idea to do Acta Muso, and we had to pitch it to Dean Pitchford, the writer. So he, um, yeah, he'd flown over from the States and we were pitching this idea. And one of the reasons that I came up with that Acta Muso idea was because the whole script is you are not allowed to dance. Dancing is banned. So, but, I mean, that's the premise of the whole story. So if you go back to the film, it's really interesting that people say that there are iconic dance routines. Because if you go back to the film, there is no dancing in the entire film apart from the credits, where they're down in the basement oh. and they are dancing yeah, in, uh, for, their, for their prom. And and the credits roll, and that's the only moment. There's there's a moment in the middle where Kevin Bacon is a gymnast, and he's like on the um, you know on the parallel bars, and yeah. you see him going through, and he's expressing himself, like I like to say through the warehouse. Um, but for some reason, when Footloose has um, yeah been interpreted, Interpretated? interpreted, interpreted? interpreted. <laughs> what's that word? Interpreted. <laughs> So, I'm really good with words. I'm better with movement. <laughs> um, yeah, then um, it's weird because it's always been a dance show. Yeah. So. So that's why I pitched this idea that these kids would be holding instruments. So couldn't that that would restrict their movement and maybe they could be the church band because it's, Mm -hmm. it starts, um, in Beaumont in the, in the church. Maybe these kids could be, you know, playing in the, in the church band and they play because music isn't banned. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, and then as soon as the Reverend leaves, they can uh, start playing the kind of rock pop music on their instruments. Um, and maybe just a couple of them are are moving maybe the singers maybe they're not not playing and dean pitchford loved the idea yeah Yeah, because he just said that that was the story that he wrote um so i absolutely loved it but I again at at like the interval or after the show I because not many people will know me to look at so I would go out into into the foyer and have a little listen see if people are enjoying it and it was mainly the dance you know like big dance colleges come together in groups and they were like oh well where was the dancing? (laughs) I was like yeah but they're not allowed to dance! (laughs) <laughs> um, sometimes I might say something and say oh I, I love the take on it <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and of course there is dancing in it and there is movement and we found different ways to express like at the end of that one um, all the kids are in a gym mm-hmm. um, so they're expressing themselves through a little bit of cheerleading and gym kind of style moves that Matt Cole has choreographed which is fantastic and at some point they're they're in a boxing ring you know, so that there are, um, but at the same time, they're doing press ups whilst you know one of them's got a bass on his back doing press up because in eight bars he's about to pick up the bass and play again. Um, so yeah, it it was an inc- it was incredible to try and then to try and figure this out with Mark Crossland, the musical supervisor, who is another musical genius who started out in actor muso shows himself. Um, is yeah, it's met the puzzle that you have to go through to figure out who is available to play what yeah who is I mean at one point we've got um, one of the girls is playing a tennis sax um, being in the um, drive-through burger place and I needed someone to look like they were the roller skating waitress so she's playing the sax on roller skates (laughs) <laughs> and and then when someone when someone finishes with their drink they pop it in the end of her sacks and she takes <laughs> it off like a waitress. I mean yeah as you do so <laughs> Goodness. I think prob- I think that's probably one of the hardest shows that we've interpreted Gosh. in a different way but yeah creatively brain power um, you know just in just in every aspect and what an achievement. It is it's, an achievement.
0: It sounds brilliant. It sounds new. It sounds fresh, and mm. I'm going to go yeah. back and watch the film tomorrow now because yeah. clearly my brain needs a refresh.
1: But but that uh, that ha- that happens that happens a lot and I, um, and some somehow somehow yeah and and also since lockdown there's been a hashtag of footloose as well and everyone's dancing footloose and yet again it's like these big routines or uh, and and that's good so. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just a different, uh, uh just a different way tape. of looking yeah. and a take on it. Thanks. Yeah. And at the very beginning, I actually, that's it. I remember when we first started, um, there were people in the foyer, uh, in the interval and afterwards saying, why are they holding instruments? They didn't believe that they were really playing them. Oh. Yeah. So we actually, I um, I wrote in, um, an, an announcement, you know, where sometimes you have your mobile phone, please turn off your mobile phone. Yeah. Um, uh, and we wrote in all all the instruments that you see on stage are being played live.
0: I think that's so good you did that because, as the audience, you know, we need to know. Wow, this cast are multi talented, and also it's actually testament to the cast that the audience cool. weren't quite sure whether yeah, they were really right. playing them or not. Yeah,
1: we need a few bum notes in there, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll let Mark know that and uh, we'll see what we can do. (laughs) Well, I think it sounds
0: very exciting and I wish, you know, your cast all the best for for next year as well. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Shereen. I've seen too many of musicals of Footloose, which has tainted my view of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, But
1: but again, just another interpretation and... Yeah, hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised and impressed with the cast. Absolutely. I'm looking
0: forward to it. Raki, how has this year been for you on the whole? Have you still had projects you've been able to work on remotely, Mm -hmm. virtually? Has it been a chance for you to have some downtime? Has it been frustrating?
1: Yeah. How's it been? Yeah, I don't remember. Like like you were saying very kindly earlier um, with... Quite a few credits. I have felt very lucky to have um, been working consistently. Um, so, yes, yeah, suddenly not working—that that was a shock to the system. Um, seeing friends and um, uh, suffering, anxiety levels rising. I mean, so many, so many different emotions. Um, but also seeing our wonderful theatre community pulling together. Um, that that was lovely to see online and trying not to be on social media too much mm. uh actually not even watching the news that much and trying to get information from uh trusted friends and um just cuz you know, yeah you you can send well you could send yourself crazy You've just got to look look after your mental health mm. um so that's difficult um it's been nice having the occasional email from like the producers from Footloose, for example, saying, you know, we're trying our best we're we are going to try and get this show on. So you still feel like you're part of uh, that team and that process, speaking to Royal Caribbean as well. You know, that um, just talking about the show and keeping in touch with the people that are on those teams as well. Just keeping that little fire um, light alive. Um and then I got the opportunity with someone who actually I've worked with a few times before and one of the shows was uh, Guys and Dolls, and uh with a an a- fabulous actor and uh, writer, now writer, and very funny, uh and tapper, so a tapper, funny. I don't know about the rock. I mean yeah, he's definitely a rocker. Okay, so these are our connections. Um And he asked me if I would like to direct something that he'd written. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, to be going out on the internet as a web series, yeah, and uh, like a sitcom. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, what's this? What is this? Yes, tell me. I'm intrigued, of course. Um, And especially if you've written it. And it was a, it's a guy called Philip Joel. If you know him, he's, um, yeah, a choreographer. I know, yeah, and, I know Philip Joel from social media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he started releasing these videos, uh, taking the piss out of uh, industry creatives, and it was get getting tens of thousands of hits. It was, um, yeah, it was a it was a big hit amongst. Uh, I think not only the theatre industry, I think it went further afield, and uh, you know, people wanting to be in the business, people who know a little bit about the business, and. Uh, yeah, and and David Muscat has had written a script based uh, around these characters of Philip, and said, "Yeah, um, show me the script." Absolutely loved it. Was was laughing at the script, and and yeah, that that can happen. Um, but you might have a little chuckle inside when you're reading a funny script. I was actually laughing out loud, um, and he, yeah, so that was it. I said, "Absolutely, yes, of course, let's do it." So with a very skeleton crew, we filmed this sitcom in two days with um, great friends that we, we asked to be in it and it was absolutely fantastic, such a rewarding project as well because all the profits were um, g- uh, going to go to Theatres Trust and mm-hmm. acting for others so it was a way for us to be able to put something back into the community as well as being creative and oh wow just being on that set like it oh after however many months well I think we did it in the beginning of September so since March you know, that is that's a long time yes. a long time not not just, well not to be working not to be creative not being creative yeah it it was just the be- one of the best feelings in the world jaine oh, <laughs> and, <so happy>. uh, <laughs> and and i think it's done really really well and it's still available online amazing so where can we see it yes at com. yeah I saw a link to that earlier, actually, today on, it yeah. might have been your Twitter feed, actually. Oh, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, yeah, okay. It's for the price of a West End coffee. I like to say West End coffee because uh, at certain places around the UK, it's certainly, a coffee is not this much, uh, but it's £3.49, that's it. Oh, and less than a yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. What else can you buy for a fiver, hey? You, pay <laughs> <a> <laughs> you There we go, right? You
0: can pay for that and, and have some sweets to watch it
1: see there we go yeah uh and 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 like i said all the profits go to charity so wow what an amazing cause yeah and i think it is it's funny it's funny we spent a long time editing it because because of covid we couldn't all be in the same room so we're over zoom (laughs) a lot of the time (laughs) and you know zoom internet connection so yeah this is just it's just going to be a whole new way of working isn't it um on online um
0: I've got some time off over Christmas. I give you my word, I will go log on and I will sit down with some sweets and watch that happily. Yes,
1: you will. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Yeah, let me know. Thank let you. me know what you think. Amazing thing to do it
0: for charity, for the theatre community. Mm. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it
1: as much as you did. Yeah, it was just brilliant. Yeah.
0: Bracky, I could ask you so many more things. <laughs> I'm aware that we'll end up, be, we'll be talking till midnight and... You, you're busy and you need to switch off it brings (laughs) me to my last two questions yeah how do you relax and who has been your biggest influence up to this Mm. point
1: so how do i relax i need to say something profound here don't i like long walks (laughs) on the beach (laughs) relax um yeah i don't know about relaxing what does that mean Probably just going to the theatre and hanging out with friends and family. Love my family time. Huge family girl. Um, So yeah, just um, yeah, probably probably doing probably doing all that. I do love sleeping when I can, though. Um, Yeah is that is that a like cool enough answer? Absolutely, (laughs) that's a great answer. Yeah, seeing as, as much theatre, seeing as just as much entertainment as possible and something that I can laugh at. I think laughing relaxes one, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it's good for the stomach muscles as well, isn't it, laughing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to laugh more often then.
0: <laughs> and who would you say has been your
1: biggest influence? Mm yeah that's that's good I mean there's so many people Shireen, there's so many people Susan stroman was a huge influence okay. um, yeah she's uh i I just remember watching her stuff when I was younger and at college and just thinking wow to to be able to create something uh like she she does i would um yeah that would be something to aspire to um, it's, it's difficult because there are so many influences and, um, influences, I suppose, from movies, uh, to, you know, Kathleen and Rob Marshall, um, and then even in, in the music world as, as well, I think, because mm-hmm. music's such a big part of my life, um, you know, film composers and, um, artists, singers, there's just, there's just too many people to list. Disney. Disney has been a huge influence as well. I think, I think the storytelling that they manage to achieve is, you know, just from, from all the little details, that's something that I've, uh, I've invested in and really paid attention to how, how they storytell.
0: That was theatre director and choreographer Raki Plews. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes from your preferred podcast provider and follow me on Twitter at Shireen Jordan and on Instagram at Shireen R Jordan.